Corruption, Incompetence and the Who by Alexandra Marshall. May all that you stand for and that we stand for be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machinery. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country, it is a free country. What a bizarre medical tyranny we live in. Australians can no longer buy safe pain medication they've enjoyed for decades but the government will pay them to take a vaccine they don't want. The health industry has always flirted with delusions of tyranny. How many times have their experts come out and started public health campaigns to micromanage the citizenry? Governments are only too happy to oblige. When medical experts say, don't eat sugar, the government rushes in and says, we'll tax sugar. We are a long way from the altruism of the Hippocratic Oath. While harbouring an advanced case of the God complex, medical professionals remain some of the biggest killers out there. Around 250,000 people die every year in America as a result of medical errors, making it the third highest cause of death. In Australia, approximately 18,000 die from malpractice, with upwards of 50,000 left unnecessarily disabled. To put that in perspective, the Wuhan flu has killed 984 people in 19 months, almost all of them over 80 who were very ill with other life-threatening conditions. Vaccine producers remain one of the only industries in the world that can produce a lethal product and escape without so much as a damages lawsuit, let alone a criminal prosecution. This strange exclusion from the normal regulatory process arose after early vaccines caused serious harm in their development process. Generally, a vaccine company is liable for harm if they create a defective or contaminated product, but not if their product has known side effects described by the courts as unavoidable dangerousness. Unavoidably unsafe products are the norm in the pharmaceutical industry, which is why medical treatments are left to the discretion of doctors and their patients. When they become a tool of a government mandate, the inherent risk goes from an informed decision to a national outrage. The truth is that your health is big business, and this pandemic has made the medical industry into billionaires with the help of overzealous policy. When the medical industry began the push for mandatory flu vaccines with public awareness campaigns, it was not done in the interest of public health. Influenza vaccine effectiveness is questionable. Most vaccines given in childhood have a lifelong efficiency between 97 and 100%. Statistics from Australia put influenza vaccine performance into perspective. In 2004, it was as low as 10%, 40% in 2016, 38% in 2017, 29% in 2018, and only 39% in 2019. Most of this is due to the rapidly evolving nature of influenza. It adapts fast with multiple strains running through the population at any given time. This is possible because it spreads without killing the vast majority of its hosts while presenting an asymptomatic infectious period. 
The presence of influenza does not provide adequate motivation for the general public to embrace regular mass vaccinations. Our society is accustomed to buying a box of tissues and a packet of Lemsip every few years. We are so used to dealing with influenza that it is the main reason we have sick days built into our employment rights. Influenza kills around 650,000 people around the world every year, yet it barely manages a single article in the back of the newspaper. Unlike COVID, influenza often kills children, but it has long been considered a part of ordinary life that doesn't warrant a permanent state of civilizational panic. Compare this to the wall-to-wall coverage for every COVID death. Humanity's main problem is that influenza has nasty cousins. At the beginning of the 20th century, the Spanish flu boasted a death rate of 2 to 3%, although this is accepted to be vastly inflated by the conditions of global war, which saw it spread through battlefields and hospitals. It preyed on people who were badly injured, sick and malnourished. Mask wearing and quarantine did nothing. The pandemic subsided after the virus went through several mutations, settling on one which became too deadly to spread, and another which barely registered symptoms and faded into obscurity. Swine flu was chalked up as the next global pandemic, but after a lot of fuss and panic-ridden flourishes, the WHO decided that its death rate was indistinguishable from influenza. The WHO were later accused of exaggerating the danger of swine flu through media campaigns designed to spread fear and confusion through vulnerable populations. The swine flu scare of 1976 sparked a mass vaccination program within the US military where a rushed vaccine was produced and given to soldiers on an army base. During the outbreak, one soldier had died of the flu while several others were seriously ill. The vaccine rollout was halted after 24% of the base received their first shot. It was noticed that excess deaths of 25 over normal annual levels were reported in addition to a worrying number of hospitalizations, many due to Guillain-Barre syndrome presumed to be caused by the vaccine. The Hong Kong flu was a more serious version of swine flu, which resulted in another vaccination campaign. The vaccines ranged from 40 to 60% effectiveness, a long way from the gold standard. The rollout itself raised concerns as flaws were revealed in the world's logistics, transport, storage, creation, administering process, regulations and liability for vaccine programs. Once again, accusations were levelled at the WHO for declaring a false pandemic and partnering with pharmaceutical companies to create a campaign of fear to sell vaccines. The Council of Europe called it one of the greatest medicine scandals of the century. The major investigation that followed uncovered financial ties between medical experts advising the WHO during the pandemic and the pharmaceutical companies who profited from the sale of vaccines and antivirals. Today, there is still no consensus or solid evidence that influenza vaccines do anything to protect the population. Even those who headed up research trials for the WHO came back empty-handed with advice to take the vaccine based on what can only be described as wishful thinking. 
I think the thing most Conservatives and other right-thinking people have against the modern union movement is the assumption its member unions make, that all the teachers, nurses and other members they represent think exactly the same way. All hate Conservative values, but all love every last Labor Green thought bubble and then go well beyond the scope of their responsibilities to campaign exclusively for leftist parties and politicians. Well, the Red Union Group has changed all that, and by eliminating all party politics and political donations, they can save teachers, nurses and transport professionals hundreds of dollars every year from existing union fees. To have better service with lower fees and a union without party politics, visit redunion.com.au. To save another $25 off your first instalment, use the coupon GOODSOURCE at the checkout. That's redunion.com.au and use the coupon GOODSOURCE to let them know we sent you and save another $25. The dismal failure of influenza vaccines prompted the study of mRNA technology. It was hoped that these vaccines would be the next step in the war against viruses. The only problem was that they constantly failed clinical trials. Plagued with dangerous and unpredictable side effects, mRNA technology would have remained at the sidelines for a long time if it had not been for the insistence of governments and pharmaceutical investors to rush them onto the market for COVID-19. Heart conditions, bizarre immune system responses – nerve damage and other severe side effects remain a risk factor for the mRNA COVID vaccines currently operating under either provisional approval or emergency approval, depending on the country. The Therapeutic Goods Administration in Australia, for example, took pharmaceutical studies at their word when granting approval rather than independently confirming the content of the trials. The known problems with mRNA technology documented in peer-reviewed papers right up to 2019 studies, have not been solved, and yet they were allowed to form part of a government-ordered mass vaccination program without adequate public consent. When the first adverse reactions became public, governments, pharmaceutical companies and social media companies, who are also heavily invested in Big Pharma, colluded to hide or at least suppress reports of public injury. Alerting the world to side effects became a violation of social media community standards. After these Silicon Valley companies declared themselves the authority on medical truth. As people have been trying to explain, not all vaccines are created equal. The WHO's behaviour during the COVID pandemic proved to be a sad rerun of its usual irresponsible and self-interested propaganda. It's unscrupulous dare we say, criminal ties to the Communist Party of China, haven't only muddied the water between health and politics, it directly aided the spread of the COVID pandemic. The current Director General of the World Health Organization, Tedros, is an Ethiopian biologist and ex-politician whose borderline terrorist party was funded directly by the Chinese regime. He was accused of engaging in genocidal behaviour by withholding medicine from ethnic groups. Tedros also covered up cholera outbreaks by disingenuously renaming them acute watery diarrhoea to protect the tourist industry and revenue for his government friends. Tedros's election to Director General of the WHO was one of the most scandalous appointments in the history of the organisation. He is the first non-medical doctor to win the appointment, and it was achieved almost solely by China's lobbying of the African and Asian voting blocs. 
His unsuitability for the role was confirmed immediately when Tedros decided to honour the bloodthirsty tyrant and Zimbabwe president at the time, Robert Mugabe, as the WHO's goodwill ambassador. It was suggested that the award was given by Tedros as a reward for Mugabe's support of his nomination to the WHO when Mugabe was head of the influential African Union. China remained one of Mugabe's supporters after he helped them quiet the African nations who criticised Beijing's exploitation of natural resources, with Mugabe calling Xi Jinping a God-sent person. Whatever the case, it cast even more doubt over Tedros's already shadowy ethics. The incestuous relationship between China and the Hu extends to Xi Jinping's wife, Peng, who acts as a goodwill ambassador. She was appointed by Tedros's predecessor, the Chinese Margaret Chan, who was herself the subject of ridicule and scandal with her botched handling of various pandemics and misuse of travel expenses. After her disgraced tenure, she took up a position on the Task Force on Fiscal Policy for Health, convened by Bloomberg and Summers. It is unsurprising that the WHO made no attempt to stop China from pursuing dangerous gain-of-function research on SARS viruses inside the Level 4 viral lab in Wuhan. Even when scientists working in the lab voiced concerns about its insufficient safety standards, nothing was done. When the inevitable happened and COVID slipped out into the surrounding city, the WHO assisted China in hushing the outbreak up rather than launching a full investigation. The proper procedures that might have contained the outbreak to Wuhan were not implemented to save face for China. Either Xi Jinping was embarrassed by the lab's incompetence, or he didn't want the world asking questions about military involvement in biological weapons banned under global treaties. Whatever the reason, the WHO failed in its duty, assisted in the cover-up, and then tried to accuse nations who closed their borders to China of racism. It then subsequently helped China promote false stories suggesting that COVID originated in other countries, all while refusing to allow an investigation until over a year later. At the point of no return for the virus, the WHO decided to rename the Wuhan flu COVID-19 to remove any connection to its source. They asked social media companies to assist in this, censoring those who referred to the China virus Wuhan flu, Kung flu, or any variation as a violation of community standards. Caution should be the standard position, but Australia's politicians have decided to abuse citizens who view the WHO's cesspool of corruption with suspicion. Far from being the saintly moral standard of our age, those involved with this pandemic have shown their willingness to court tyranny in exchange for wealth and power. How much of this is about our health? All things being equal, it is likely that COVID would have run through the world largely unnoticed, had it not been for the profiteering fearmongers feasting off the drama. While this may have started with a virus, COVID has become a policy weapon used to create a revolution in the West. Instead of ordinary people taking power, the public servants and their bubble of mega corporates have stolen power under the cover of COVID. Today, we need a special kind of courage. Not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynic, so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.